Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes, 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. You can also interact with us on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. We will get to your phone calls. We'll get to your tweets along the way. It's all presented by Coors Light. And we're going to start off the top with some injury news. The Giants just wrapped up practice. Pat Shermer is addressing the media, so we are monitoring it on social media in case any breaking news comes forth. We'll certainly bring it your way. But in terms of injuries, Darius Slayton, and there's a direct quote from Pat Shermer, quote, is having an issue with the same hamstring He's making good progress, end quote. Now, Slayton made that magnificent grab in the Bengals game, Paul, to set up the one-yard touchdown by Rod Smith. And you thought, okay, wow, this is a flash of what he's going to build on moving forward. And unfortunately, he seemed to have re-aggravated the hamstring injury that had sidelined him for the majority of camp. And now he's going to work his way back towards the field because of the same hamstring well, it was late in that game that he ran a fly route down the far left sideline in front of the Giants bench, as I was calling it from my play-by-play spot. And it looked to me like he may have pulled up just a tad at the end of the route. He went off to the sidelines, did not consult with the trainers, but never came back in the game. And I kind of put a yellow flag up in the back of my mind that, okay, I don't think that's good. Something might not be right there. And then yesterday he came out to practice and apparently definitively did tweak it somehow, some way. And so that's why he was over with the bikes today. Um, It's a setback. There's no question how much of a setback it is. Boy, but the 53 coming up a week from Saturday. Actually, it's this Saturday. It's not even a week from Saturday. We're already in Patriots week. I've lost track of the time, folks. Well, they all blend together. They really do. With the 53 coming up on Saturday, I don't see any way he's not on the 53. But he better not have any further aggravations over the course of the next few days because if they feel like they really need to, quote, shut him down, you got to wonder about what you're going to do with him. Of course. Now, you can bring back two players from IR because they expanded the yeah, rules. Yeah, but if you put him on IR before of course. the 53, he's done for the season. Yep. And I don't think there's any way they really want to do no, that No, I don't him. think they want to do that either, which means that you hope it's not as significant this time around and that you're confident he's going to be ready to go week one, worst-case scenario, week two, so therefore you don't have to put him on IR and lose him for the season. See, here's the problem. Even if it's a two- to four-week thing, let's just say for argument's sake, and I, I'm being totally hypothetical, folks, so please don't take this as factual, but if he's going to miss, let's just say, up to a month of time, well, you're already down tape because well, of the Well, and suspension. that's what, to me, makes this complicated by you bringing that up. The it fact makes that, it sticky. Yeah, you're already knowing Golden Tate's out of the equation for the first four games. Can you afford, Paul, to put somebody else on the 53 who is in jeopardy, and this is just me speculating. Right. For all we know, hopefully he's ready to go. His status but, is uncertain. I correct. think that's fair. No, 100%. So if you roll the dice, you put another wide receiver on the 53 who's iffy about whether or not he could get through the four games that you need him for to help fill the void left behind by Tate, do you want to put yourself in a position where you're really only playing with five wide receivers and then, God forbid, Paul, one of them gets hurt, then you all of a sudden need to play the mathematical equation. Well, out. now, that's to, be, not fun. to be fair... 
you'll have six receivers on the 53, and you'll always inactivate one of them. In fact, it's not unusual. It has been done where teams have gone into a game with only four active receivers you're not gonna dress on everybody. Sunday. So you could probably, it's cutting it close, but you could probably carry him for the first few weeks as the sixth receiver and not give him a jersey on Sunday. You could probably do it. No, but I'm, boy, I'm you're not you. giving yourself much room. Well, and that's where I'm getting at. The point is, God forbid somebody else gets banged up. Yeah, it's, in the it's, first few it's games, a slippery slope. Then you're going to need a guy like him. Right. And if he's not available, become sticky. Let's just hope it's point. not that big of a deal and he doesn't necessarily play in New England but feels good enough that they don't have to make a move with him. Let's just hope that that's the case. Absolutely. Now, the other injury of note is Sam Beal, who did return to practice the other day and was taking a step in the right direction and wasn't very much involved today. So that's something that Pat Shermer, as I'm reading through Dan Salomon, our colleague's tweets, I haven't seen anything from Pat Shermer on Sam Beal and whether or not there's anything to be concerned at that front. Uh, as far as another point that Pat Shermer brought up during the course of his press conference, he said at this point they don't know the bottom of the depth chart, but they kind of know the top. There's still spots to be won. The 53 will be announced on Saturday. So that's not necessarily anything new, but that maybe is giving us a glimpse of what his goal is going into that final preseason game, Paul. And if you go back to last year, by the way, he sat a lot of the starters, and he also sat, by the way, some of the bench guys who pretty much had solidified their roster spot. So if you want to read into who is on the team, who's on the bubble, we may get a better indication based on who plays on Thursday night. Here's the problem. There are so many battles on the back of that depth chart, and it's with quality players, okay? You're right. Last year, much like the year before, the Giants roster wasn't as talented. It wasn't as deep as it is now. I've said this on this show before. I've gone into final cuts saying, you know what? There's probably only 45 guys, 43 guys that I really think I'd like to keep. And it's like, all right, fight it out for the last 10 spots because I don't have conviction about any of you. I, I have felt that way before. I'm not saying the coach or the GM did. I don't want to put words in their mouths. But for me, looking at it from my eyes, that's what's happened in a lot of these last few years with the Giants. I don't see that happening now. I look at this roster of 90. 89, actually. They're, one, they're operating Correct. one Demari short Scott right now. Was with. I could see 60 guys that I actually want to keep. I'm not giving away roster spots on the back end. There's 60 guys I want to keep on this team, and it's not going to happen. So here's the problem. You can't rest guys who you, quote, think clearly have a roster spot one because there are so many battles with guys who are on the edge and on the bubble, not because they're on the bubble because they're not very good and maybe they don't deserve to be here. The problem is they're on the bubble because the guy who's fighting for a job against him may turn out to prove to be better. Well, the competition at that point. The competition is too good right now that you can't just differentiate guys on the back of the depth chart and say, okay, those guys are fine. No, the competition's too tough. I'm with you. But that's a good problem to have, though, at the end of the day. Oh, it's a great problem to have. So that's why I don't know that, that Coach can afford to rest as many of those so-called locked-up depth chart guys 
as he has in the past because those guys are still fighting for spots. And if you do that, you just put yourself in a further quandary because if you say, okay, we think those guys are on, but then all of a sudden the guy who he was competing with goes out and has a kick-butt game against the Patriots, well, now how do you make the decision? It gives you some more food for thought. That's essentially what it will do. But it remember, makes it harder is what well, it does. Course, but I think practice is what is really going to differentiate a lot of these guys, regardless of what happens in the game. So I think, if anything, if you're Pat Shermer, you're also, because one of the messages that he said multiple times, Paul, is in an ideal world, he wants 90 guys to get a job somewhere in the National Football League. Right. So he's going to play guys simply to give them exposure so that maybe they can impress. And if they know that... They're not likely to make the 53 for the Giants. That maybe they could give themselves a good chance to go elsewhere, whether it be on a 53-man well, roster or a practice squad. I don't mind telling you this, and folks, I'm not speaking out of turn. From a selfish perspective, I'm sure that Coach and his front office people would love to have some of these guys immediately return to the practice squad. Because, as Absolutely. I said, it's a 10-man practice squad, right? So you got yeah. 53 plus 10. 63 guys you can kind of tie a rope to ultimately when your practice squad is named within the first day and a half afterwards but here's the problem because the competition is so good at some of these spots a bunch of those guys who you want to keep as 55 56 57 58 you know what they're going to get claimed you may not be able to bring them back to the practice squad and tie a rope to their legs those guys are good enough to play in the league well, and I think most teams know that risk. Anybody on the practice squad can be claimed, but the player that's claimed has to go automatically on your 53-man roster. This is, this, so. is, this is really the first time in some years now where I think there's a real worry about guys getting out of the building. And that's, that tells you how good this roster is right now. Well, keep in mind, remember, the Giants last year, around this time of the year, made six claims. So somebody else's players were also... And what does that tell you about the roster the Giants had at that point? Yeah, well, that's why, if you recall, Pat Shermer was actually asked a question. I think it was the other day, Paul, where he was asked by somebody in the media, do you anticipate being as active on the waiver claim? And he said, well, listen, we don't know what's going to happen, but he says it's unlikely because, in fairness, they have turned the roster over immensely since Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer have taken over. So now I think it's fair to say they've got a better grasp of the roster. They have well, a better sure. feel for the guys. So, yeah, if they make six waiver claims, would I be stunned? No. Would I be surprised somewhat? Yes, because you figure you're at this point in time where you've brought in the type of players that you want, that you've had time to evaluate. Well, at this point, this team is on the up, and other teams' discards will not be as attractive to you. Unless, of course, there's a notable surprise, and every year somebody's let go that nobody ever Could happen. So we Could can't happen. rule that out. But the volume, I guess, is what I'm talking about, would be mm-hmm. a big surprise if they went out and were as active with six claims. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. It's all presented by Coors Light. Let's open up the phone lines as we start the festivities off with Big Ed in Maryland. Big Ed, welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? What's up, guys? How y'all been, man? It's We're been a doing long all right. time. Yeah, long Why? time. Why? No Where did you go? <laughs> man, I had to go deal with a whole lot of stuff, man. Well, I, I hope everything go, is... I had to crawl underneath all the rocks and everything, <laughs> man. With a 5-11 record, I was crying oh. underneath the rocks. Man. I just hope that you're okay now and the sun is shining on you. That's right. It is sun shining on all of us. This is so beautiful. 
what a season we're going to have. This is going to be so awesome. We're talking about a new restructure offensive line to help Eli throw the ball down the field or go to play action. Plus, with the weapons, we defense is just amazing. We should be just all ball hogs, just ball hogs. And I'm telling you, it's just like we should be there at the end. We should really, really be there at the end. And I'm going to be the person to say, if you say healthy, we should be not only winning the division, but just pulling over everybody with that powerful running game. Well, Big Ed, here's what I will tell you, and I appreciate the optimism. I do think it's very realistic to expect this team to be playing very meaningful games in December. Now, how much further you want to go, that's up to you. I'm going to tell you right now, though, that they will be playing important games in December that are going to matter to the standings and are going to matter to the playoff conversation. That much I will tell you right now before I even give my final before opening day prediction. There's no doubt in my mind this game will be in that conversation. How much? uh, Where will they finally fall? Uh, I don't know right now. But they're going to be in the conversation. Mother right. Nature didn't right. cooperate. Yeah. All right, Big Ed. Anything else for us? Yeah. Tell John I miss him and I miss you guys too, man. And definitely Jeff and, and, Big, and King David. Don't forget to say hello to King David. <laughs> hey, Big Ed, just remember one thing. Next to last game, next to last game on the Giants' regular season schedule is at the Redskins. Yes. You might, you I'm might, you, you might. I was going to say you might try to finagle your way into the stadium for that one because it could be very important. Yeah, I do. I believe so because the Redskins—they look pretty good on, on uh, in the secondary level, but their offense was going. Oh, I, I don't think that game's going to mean much for the Redskins, to be honest with you. But I do think it's going to mean a lot to the Giants. All right, Big oh, yeah. Ed. <laughs> Big Ed, I'm glad you're well, man. Call us back soon. All right, Big Ed, appreciate yeah, the phone call. You got it. Thanks for the phone call. It's Thanks. Been years. Years. Yeah, it's been a while since we've heard from Big Ed. Yes, usually always optimistic at this time of the year, which is understandable. Time will tell, though. I do think the Redskins could be a sneaky team this year in giving a, a few squads trouble. I, I do like their defense and. If you got a good defense and you keep games low scoring, I think they can maybe surprise people, especially with their running game. Not convinced about their offensive line right now. Well, and everybody, that's a big deal. Their offensive line is fine, with the exception of Trent Williams right now. Oh, and well, multiple-time no, Pro Bowl player at no, tackle. I get that, but that's Morgan, a big deal. Morgan Moses and Brandon Sheriff are no slouches. I mean, the right Sheriff's side of the really line, good. Yeah. Moses has had his ups and downs. Well, but the bottom line is, he's a polished veteran who's been there. He's been in the scheme. That to me is not a huge question. And, mark and lest, lest we forget about the quarterback situation which is not very well, pretty. Well, and they'll be banging Skeeter. the drums for that rookie from Ohio State who is not going to do so well. Trust me. Well, they're starting off with Case Keenum, which to me is the right decision. There's no rush to put Dwayne Haskins on the field. And we'll see what happens with Case Keenum. But I think a lot is all dependent on that run game. 
because no matter who's the quarterback, they're going to have to be able to pound the football with Adrian Peterson. And Darius Geis now is back and looked good, actually, in the last preseason game. They better so hope Geis is looking we'll good. Whether or not he can hold up this year. Because at some point, Peterson's going to get old, and it may very well be yeah. now. Well, but I don't think they are going into this season thinking Adrian Peterson's going to be the lone workhorse. I think they want guys like Geis and Chris Thompson to be mm-hmm. mixed in. The problem is, last year they had so many injuries at the position, they had to lean. Losing Jordan Reed's a big deal. And we don't know exactly what his status is, but another concussion for him is not good. You just hope that that doesn't sideline him for an indefinite period And they of don't time. have great receivers. Well, it's a big question mark. It's always been the question mark for this team. And we'll see whether or not Josh Doxson can finally you know, become a consistent playmaker. You also look at Paul Richardson was banged up last year. I'm with you there. I, the passing game I don't think is going to define the Redskins, but I still just wouldn't sleep on the rushing attack because I do think they have some weapons there. Let's head back to the phone lines and we check in with Clay in New Jersey. Clay, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you have for us? Um, how do you think the Giants will use Saquon's strengths to win games? Okay. We appreciate the phone call, Clay. Thanks so much for weighing in. Well, I think they're pretty much going to try to piggyback off of the strength that he showcased last season, Paul, and uh, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, his ability to create something out of nothing. You hope with an improved offensive line, the holes are a little bit larger this season for him to work with, but I don't think they're going to dramatically change how they utilize Saquon Barkley. We know what his skill set is, and you want him to just continue to hold up and be that productive player. So he's going to be as much involved in the rushing attack as he is in the passing game. I don't think he's going to get 91 receptions this season, Paul, but I also don't think that they're going to completely eliminate him as a receiver because you get him out in open space, you know he could create something out of that. I think you will see much more empty backfield with him actually lining up outside in a shift situation and going deeper downfield to catch those passes. I did a show with John about a week or so ago. It wasn't with you, Lance. And I proclaimed my bold prediction for the year is that Saquon Barkley will be the third running back in NFL history to put up 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving in the same season. The only guys to do it, Roger Craig and Marshall Falk. Correct. I think Barkley does it this year because I think he's going to catch a lot more deeper routes than he did last season, and he'll go for 1,000, 1,000. Well, we've seen him run the wheel route. I remember in the Houston Texans game, if Mm -hmm. memory serves me correct, Mm -hmm. he converted a big third down and helped seal that game. So he's got the capabilities of stepping on the gas and going down the field. But I still think that they also have the plans of Evan Ingram becoming that vertical threat as well as utilizing some of the wide receivers. So it will be interesting to see, to your point, how many opportunities he truly gets. I think he's got the capability, Paul. I just would like to see whether or not the volume actually picks up in that department. The point is you can use more empty backfield sets if you believe in your offensive line. And I believe they do believe in their offensive line this year, which allows you more flexibility to sneak him even further downfield out of the backfield. Let's move along here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Coach Marvin is in Delaware. Coach Marvin, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? How you doing, Lance and Paul? Coach, right, how coach. are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, kind of like uh, can agree with both of you guys. Uh, Lance with the uh, Redskins, uh, I, I, I fear not to underestimate that, that team. You know, they're East, uh, NFC East team, so they, they may give us a hard time too. So. Um, I'm with Lance with the Redskins. And uh, Paul with the uh, 1,000 yards receiving and rushing for Barkley. Um, my thing is prediction is uh, I believe he's going to break the all-purpose yardage uh, this year. 
That's what I'm predicting. Doesn't mean it's well, are you going yards perfect. from scrimmage or all-purpose yards, which includes punt return and kickoff return? And I don't think he's going to do either one of those. No, well, I mean, well, I mean, well, I, I understand that, but I mean in the passing and rushing. So um, yards from passing. scrimmage, yeah, all-time scrimmage yards yeah. is what yeah, you're line looking at. Yeah, line of scrimmage. You want you I want to give us a number, good. Marvin? What do you think? What what what's the final number going to be? Oh, uh, what what is the record? Is it twenty? Is it twenty-three hundred? I'm actually I'm looking it up right now to see who has the most. The all-time leader is Chris Johnson, over 2,500, 2,509. He did it in 2009 with Tennessee. I think that 20 he gets 2525. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, All right, Marvin, you're down for it. I'll remember that. Uh, a, a, a couple of weeks ago, Paul, you asked me about um, Daniel Jones on the evaluation of him and his body language. Yes. And I was saying that he does look like he belongs. I'm going to advance that to he doesn't look like he belongs. He does belong. Mm-hmm. And people need to recognize that. I've looked at th- seven different stages um, since we had, uh, since the draft, and he's passed every one of those stages. Right now, he has three more stages for me, in my opinion, to go through. And once he passes those three, if he passes those three, I, I think we he, he he may be a kid that has it. And uh, you know, we no one really knows what it is unless, until you see it. And I think he has it as a quarterback. He, I mean, I'm eating my words as far as. Uh, um, Daniel Jones. So um, to me, now he's DJ. He's not Daniel Jones. He's DJ now. Um, I, I'm not going there, Marvin. I, in fact, I told him because there are people trying to give him all kinds of nicknames, and I just went up to him and I said, "Daniel, you're Daniel to me, <laughs> and I'm not going anywhere with the nicknames." Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But uh, sometimes your play earns you that respect of a nickname. <laughs> um, but uh, it's only one person that actually knew this, and, uh, and you have to give it to him, this uh, Dave Gettleman. Um, he, he saw something in the kid that, I mean, I, I, could, I, didn't, I, I couldn't see it. I mean, I watched some of the stuff he did, and I just couldn't see it. And I'm a believer. I'm definitely a believer. The the three stages that are left is this one game here. He um, this will be the first time he starts. Yeah. So we'll see him as a starter. And long as he can maintain what he's done in the three games he's done so far, uh, that that will be a check mark for me. Um, the next one would be him playing in a game itself and see how he does in a in a uh, in a game that counts. And then the third one will be when he plays in a game and a team um, pull up a game plan against him and take away what he wants to do, how he would do. I think he would do well because the kid has shown that uh, he can handle adversity. And, and, and anything we do in life, I always said that uh, you will find a person's true character when they go through adversity. Mm-hmm. And, and he's shown that he's gone through some adversity, and he bounced right back. Last week, um, the hit he took, the next play, he bounced right back. And mm-hmm. yeah. um, he, he had guys at his feet, yes. and he still made that throw. Uh, so he shows he has pocket presence. Um, you have to have pocket presence and have pocket awareness. Those are two different things. Um, but he's shown he has uh, pocket presence because he stood in there. 
and he, he takes the hits. He's not blinking. His eyes are not leaving downfield where he's looking at a pass rusher come down on him. He's still sticking in there. like to see him hold on to the ball a little more, but that's going to come. That comes with experience, and he's going to get that. I, I think, I mean, right now my feeling, we may have something here. This, this guy may be something. Don't want to push him. I think Eli needs to keep playing. We don't want to push him and force this thing. Um, but just let him keep learning as he's going through this. And um, I, I really think we have something. All right, Coach Marvin. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks right, so much for weighing in. You got it. Lance, one thing I want to amend to Coach Marvin's statement, and that is he's saying, okay, Gettleman's the only one who saw it. I, I want to amend that statement because the Giants organization, their scouting staff, Coach Pat Shermer, yeah. they were unanimous in their feeling that not only was Daniel Jones skilled enough to be the selection, but that he was the right fit for this organization. He had all the mental makeup and the intangibles to make him a success in New York for this franchise. It was a unanimous feeling amongst all the decision makers. And of course, Gettleman ultimately pulls the trigger and the pick is going to be married to his legacy. I understand that. But please, uh, please also acknowledge that this was a Giants organization decision and Gettleman just made sure that he pushed the button. Uh, To my knowledge, there were no arguments in the room against Daniel Jones. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Pat Shermer's echoed those sentiments. Dave Gettleman has echoed those sentiments. And, you know, those who are within the scouting department clearly were high on him because they gave their seal of approval when they were getting ready to pick number six overall. I I think, you know, the fundamentals are there, which is what, you know, Coach Marvin was mentioning. You you clearly could tell that it's not big for him to handle the moment. He can bounce back when things don't necessarily go right. He uh, handles himself very strongly in the pocket, and all those things are encouraging. But, you know, once again, no team has gone out there and game plan for Daniel Jones right now. So, you know, we're very limited like anything else. It's a small sample size of what we've seen. So, you know, we don't need to rush judgment on him. I I think it's important to get excited if you're a fan on what you've seen. But at the end of the day, we'll eventually get to the point where he's going to put into a regular season game. He'll become the starter down the road, and teams are going to have to study his strengths prepare for his weaknesses, and see if they can take advantage of that. And that, to me, is going to tell the true test of what Daniel Jones is all about. I'm going to put it in language that you can understand, having sat with me for many years. The antipasto has been served. Okay. And it's delicious. And that's fine. But we haven't gotten to the main I'm course I'm with you yet. on your parallel. That's right. We And we're not near <laughs> the main course, okay? You're still, you're so excited, you're mumbling on the... Uh, Cloth well, off the table, essentially. The, the okay? bread, the bread and yeah. olive oil is pretty good too. That's fine. And you okay, can have that on the side as but well. But we just haven't gotten to the entree. We have not gotten to the entree. Okay, correct. It's bubbling, but it's not ready to be taken off the <laughs> stove, out of the oven. As we continue to throw out as many food analogies that are humanly possible in one program. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Len in Columbia, Maryland. Len, what's happening? Hey guys, how you doing? Good hey, Len. What do you got for us? Well, first of all, I want to I want to say I, I just finished a couple of pieces of leftover pizza. There you but go. Paul has Paul has made me hungry again. <laughs> this is starting starting to sound good, Paul. <laughs> um, Lance may have hinted at the answer to my um, comment, but but when we talk about the unanimous feeling about Daniel. I just I just want to make sure that you guys are saying it was a unanimous opinion in the room of Daniel Jones at number six. 
Correct. Yeah. In terms of okay. everybody okay. who was in the room was on board and okay. did their homework and believed in Daniel Jones. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. At, there at were that, no no dissenting that, votes, man. At, at that pick. Yeah. 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 There were there were no okay. dissenting votes when they all presented their cases and they all said, yeah, we really like this kid. And and Gettleman said, OK, that's what we're going to do. And everybody was on board with it. Nobody okay. objected. OK, great. Thank you. Um, uh, Redskins, just a quick comment on the Redskins. They're going to lose a lot of games, but they're going to be close and low scoring. That that front seven yeah, is formidable. They got a really good defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's really a formidable front seven. Um, you know what's going to give them I, problems, I though, Len? At the beginning Len, of Len, the show, Len, hold on a Paul second. May have, Len, Paul Len, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know what? You know what's going to give the Redskins problems, and I know you're down there, so you get an opportunity to see their exhibition games and and probably read some of the stories and stuff. What's going to give them problems if they can't effectively move the ball on offense? The field is going to be tilted against that defense on a regular basis. And that's going to give them a lot more difficulty because they're going to gas that defense out. And especially if they're in a situation where, as we've seen, when your offense can't hold on to a fourth-quarter lead and hold time of possession, you're putting your defense in position to fail. And, yeah. and, and I'll be honest, that I'm, I think the Redskins easily have the least talented 90-man roster in the division. I don't think there's yeah. any question yeah. about it. Yeah, and they may, they may be 32 at wide receiver. They're, they're weak. <laughs> well, they got a lot of question um, marks. Yeah, I I see them losing. Uh, you know, I if if you can if you can kick four field goals and score a touchdown, um, you can you can beat the Redskins. Uh, I I don't think that they can score twenty points. But but that defense, you know, you're going to have to move the ball a little bit because sure. you got to be able to get the field sure. goals and you know and come away with a touchdown. But. Um, uh, you know, Lance. Let me ask you a question directly here because I, I think Paul, Paul spoke to this a little bit before. Um, a, a night, local, well, a, a well-known national sports magazine came out with their pro football issue, and they they had the Giants at four and twelve, uh, second worst second worst record in the NFL. Um, my annual, the one that I buy at the beginning of the season, so I can read up on all the teams and so forth. Has them at nine and seven. Who's 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 closer, Lance? What what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I know what I heard Paul at the beginning of the show, but what what do you think? Well, I I've said this time and time again. To me, the defense is going to define this team, and how well the defense performs is going to really give us an indication of are they a team that is closer to nine and seven, or are they going to maybe hover around you know that six win total? And until okay. I see this defense on the field, it's hard for me. To give you a okay. firm answer, they're closer to nine and seven versus they're closer to four and twelve. But once okay. I see the first quarter of the season, I think I'll have a better okay. idea of what the defense okay. has to offer. All right, I appreciate that. Yeah. I was going to pin you down, but I, I, that's that's pretty logical thinking, Lance. Uh, that we'll we'll know by October first. Yeah, I think we'll have a much uh, better an, idea and have an idea which you know really which way, which way it's going to go. Um, let me let me ask you a question of a uh, uh, couple of questions on this uh, designating of two players. Coming off injured reserve, um, can, can you designate those a, a player at any time in the season? In other words, if somebody you don't yeah. have to do no, that week you do one. Not, do no, you? you do not have to do that week you one. Do you, not. you can announce it in November that you're bringing this guy back. Yeah, they eliminated okay. that rule where it has to be done at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. So if you want to okay. wait and see how a guy performs in his rehab, the the only yeah. thing is remember you got to wait 
a certain amount of weeks till you can actually bring a guy back on. Like, you can't okay. put a yeah. guy on IR after the 53 and then bring him back in week two. He's got to sit yeah. out yeah. Okay. X that's, amount that's of weeks. Point. What, what yeah. is it? I, you know, I, I want to say it's. I, is it six weeks? I, I think it's it may six, be. It may I thought be it was eight. eight. Yeah, I, I thought th- it was I think, eight. I think it's about eight weeks. But until the, you can the bring other the guy stipulation, Len, is that run. you can't do this with a player who was IR'd before your final fifty-three. Yeah, okay. he's got to be okay, on your point. fifty-three, and yeah. then you can make the move with him. Okay. Yeah, here we um, go, Len. Before before you talk, I got it right here. Players must remain on IR for eight weeks before being eligible to rejoin their teams in week nine. Via okay. the IR okay. designation. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, you know, one of the players, uh, Paul, that you may be talking about that, you know, was sitting there at 54, 55, who a lot of other teams might really be interested in, is Big George. You know, the tackle from Kentucky. Uh, nursing, if I can use that word, you know, that, that concussion, which, which must be pretty, you know, must, must be pretty bad. Um, what, do you, what, what are we going to do with Big George? He, he's what? IR for me, Len. I don't have him even on that 54. Uh, you know, he's not in that ballpark for me. He's okay. To me, it's an easy decision. He's IR. He redshirts for the season. You think that's what they're going to do, Paul? That would be my suspicion right now. I mean, he's hardly had any work. During the preseason, yeah. uh, you know, and he's still and in, in the protocol. Too, by the way, Pra he can't even practice yeah. right now. He's in protocol. He can't yeah. practice. It's only so yeah. much they have yeah. to how, evaluate. How can you even think about him being able to contribute this year? Well, the only reason I was thinking about it is because they haven't done it yet. What, what, well, there's no point. I mean, if it's if it's so obvious that this is the situation where he's in, is there something where there's a benefit to the Giants to to waiting until Saturday to to put him on IR? Then I mean, why not today? Why not last Monday? Because well, the, the only reason you would do it now is if you felt you needed that spot immediately to grab somebody who's on the oh, street. Oh, I got you. Okay. And okay. and and okay. I, I'll be honest with you, Len. If you looked at the tackles who are on the street right now, you right. would you would not want to talk to them either. <laughs> well, yeah, it's yeah. mainly a yeah. roster yeah. spot yeah. opening. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, would be I the agree. benefit of putting. Okay. Them on hey, uh, you know, um, Trini can't went fast, and um, it did. You know, it's almost here. I'm, you know, I'm, I guess I'm looking forward to the Patriots game. I'm really, you know, I'm really kind of looking forward to Saturday, and uh, having them, um, you know, having them make these decisions, and we, and we see what the first 53 looks like. Um, I, you know, as a fan, I, I, I can't go below eight wins. I just, I just can't say it. I can't say a number. Well, you don't, you <laughs> so don't have to I, pin I, any I, number. You, on you know, right my now, minimum right? was. <laughs> As a fan, is always uh, eight eight wins, but I think that's logical. And I, you know what? Uh, if it's seven, it shows me some progress. But I want to go on record now. If it's only six, man, I'm going to be disappointed. I don't care how good they look, and I don't care who's playing quarterback. If if they come out of this with only six, I'm I'm just I'm really going to be disappointed. Right, I think like- the schedule's favorable. I think the roster's favorable. You know, uh, you know. I think it's time for you know make a significant, you know, significant move. All right, let's go, Giants. Thanks for Appreciate taking my call, call, guys. You got Thanks, Len. Thanks for weighing in. Remember, you know, you're not just playing against the NFC East. You're playing against mm-hmm. other divisions, which are also looking to get to the playoffs and improve. You, you can't look at the Giants based on the NFC East. And there have been years, by the way, where a team has gone five and one in the division. The Cowboys, I was looking this up, okay, the year that Zeke was suspended, Paul, right. in 2017, Dallas was 5-1 and one in the division. Yeah, They still 
did not make the playoffs because they only won four games outside of the division. So, you know, as opposed to just assessing what you think the Giants look compared to the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Redskins, they also need to tackle a number of other challenging teams. But you know what, Such Lance? as the I, NFC North, which I, is one of the deepest divisions, I would argue, in the NFL. Yeah, but they also play the AFC East. Correct. But so but, that but, doesn't mean but that here's just a four to here's lose what the fourth. Here's North, what I though. will say. All right, if the Giants finish nine and seven and don't make the playoffs, there's the obvious hurt over not getting in. But if they're nine and seven after what's happened the last two years, the arrow is pointing up. And I think most people would define that as a successful season. Absolutely. But the one thing I will say about the NFL, it is such an up and down league that it's hard to maintain consistency or know that the way you leave off one season, Paul, is going to be an indication of how the next season starts. Because That's true. you can't control injuries. That's true. You have no idea how injuries are going to play out. I mean, you look at the Atlanta Falcons, for example, Paul, last year. Atlanta was a team, on paper, I would argue, they look good. And then what happens in week one? They lose two safeties. I know. And then they start losing secondary plays. So I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. This is just the realistic viewpoint of life in the NFL. That's why when you win, you really have to appreciate it because you never know when exactly. it's going to happen again. That's very well said. Very well said. And it's also, to me, another indication of, you know, I, I hesitate when Len throws out, you know, the arrow is pointing up or if they get to eight wins, it would be an indication. That doesn't mean you're getting to 10 the following year. Oh, it doesn't. The NFL it, doesn't work like no, that. No, no. A and B does not necessarily equal C. Exactly. But you can say that this roster, I think it's it's quite clear this roster is better than it's been the last two seasons. And I don't think that's crazy at all. That's, yeah. I mean, that's just a fact. And there's more familiarity on the Again, roster. Again, how many wins will that equate to? We don't know for sure, but it's a better team. That I can say with 100% certainty. Let's head back to the phone lines as we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Ray is in New Jersey. Ray, welcome to the program. What do you have for us? Ray going once. Ray going twice. Ray is a man of very few words on this Monday afternoon. Let's see if Jeff in Rhode Island, a little bit more talkative than Ray. How we doing, Jeff? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, there you good go. afternoon, fellas. Uh, my question is, uh, how good is the snail salad? The snail salad? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's real garlicky. There you go. There we go. Okay. But, uh, Paul, I, I, I got a, you know, a comment, and then I have a question, but... Uh, I, I can't agree with you uh, with your assumption that the Giants uh, are going to be in the playoffs. Oh, I didn't you say know? that. I, I said they and, will be and, playing and meaningful games in December. I didn't. I didn't assume any playoff position. I just okay. said they'll be playing meaningful games, and I bet okay. you that Washington game means a lot. Okay. I, well, it sounded like you know you were thinking that uh, that means being in the playoffs. Didn't but, say uh, that. Didn't say that. But I but but, I, but I, I've, I I've, I've inched closer to that line in in okay. recent times. You were pretty close though. I've inched I've reason, inched closer. The reason I'm he's saying excited that about is the I, snail salad. Mind, that's why. So this, this is how I see the Giants. Okay. Yeah. I think I think the offense is going to be pretty good this year. I think the offense will be okay. But in my mind, I think Dave Gettleman has had two pretty good drafts in a row. I don't think that enough quality talent has been added onto the defensive side of the of the football team. And unless they hold up their end of the bargain, the Giants aren't going to get a sniff of the playoffs. I, what's I, your, I, I what's your biggest I, concern, Jeff, on the defensive side of the ball? Where exactly? I, I just, I just, 
wondering where the playmakers are gonna. Who are the playmakers? I can only, you know, I can only. You guys see the practices. I don't. So obviously, you know more about the players and see more than I do. I can only go, go by what I've seen in the preseason games, and you know, I try to read everything I can possibly get on the Giants. But of course. Pressure in the quarterback has been the big, 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 big uh, problem with this team, you know. And so has, uh, and frankly, uh, stopping the running game of opposing teams last year. We didn't do too very well there. Can I get you I to think... amend your statement just a little bit before you yeah. go any further? I sure. do think the Giants need to add another offseason load of talent to be a bona fide, legitimate hey, this team's going to the playoffs and they can contend. I absolutely agree with you. If that's the litmus test that you're trying to meet, uh, I would say right now they have added a significant amount of talent, talent that could tickle the playoffs. My question isn't about as the, the amount of talent that they have on defense. It's about the inexperience and the newness and the mixture of players that they have on D, and that could lead to problems with cohesiveness. But as far as raw talent, my goodness, if you've been out here every day watching training camp, you could see there's a lot of talent out here. Well, like I said, I haven't been to any of the practices. You guys, you see them all the time. I do think I agree with you that I think Dave Gettleman has to have another another grade-A draft in 2022 uh, mm-hmm. make make this team a little bit more legitimate. No question. No question. But, uh, but I'm still I'm still not – I hope I'm wrong, but I'm still not seeing it on the defense in regard to uh, who the playmakers are going to be. And that's just how I feel about it. To me, the whole season hinges, hinges on the play of the defense. Sure. Not, yeah, so, not so much on the offense. Well, you're, you're, in, you're in the show-me uh, department, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. 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 Well, because there's a lot of young players, and with youth comes unproven commodities because you just don't know what they're going to bring to the table. And I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, I said that a few minutes before you called up. I said the defense is going to define the season, and as far as the pass rush is concerned, 30 sacks last season. Olivier Vernon led the team with seven. He's no longer here. And other than Marcus Golden, you have nobody on the team that has double-digit sacks in their career. Forget a single season. So I'm with you. There's a lot of question marks hovering over that facet of the team, which is why I want to see the first quarter of the season to see maybe somebody surprises and maybe one of these young guys is going to step up, such as O'Shane Zimenez, who's looked good at times in the preseason. You know, maybe he's a guy that makes an unbelievable transition, and that helps fill the void that they need. Oh, yeah. Believe me, I've been following the Giants. I've been a loyal fan for 50 years, so I want to see him do well every year. There's no no doubt about that but uh we'll see how it plays out guys i uh i just hope the defense can get in there and uh hold up this side of the bargain that's that's what i'm hoping so i got it i appreciate the phone call i'll talk to you later yep you got it and i don't think that's a crazy statement at all no we we have said on this program multiple times that the pass rush right now is the biggest unproven question mark that needs to be answered and that's a pretty big one 100%. 100%. It's been something that I've talked about the entire offseason. And then you just hope, okay, if the pass rush doesn't pick up immensely, okay, how does the secondary then respond? And the secondary has a lot of young guys outside of Janoris Jenkins. But the good news is Antoine Bethea is an extremely experienced safety. And Jabril Peppers, even though he's new to the Giants, he's not a rookie. So you at least have the experience at safety to yes. make up for or balance the inexperience you have at corner. 
if you want to look at it through that lens. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Let's go to Louie on Staten Island. Louie, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you have for us? Hey, what's happening, guys? Hi. Doing all right, Louie. Just want to touch on the roster a little bit, what you guys think about um, a couple of guys making the team. Um, number one, uh, Lauletta. You guys have a to think he was going to make the team or be a practice squad uh, candidate. I think it's an interesting conversation, Paul, that quarterback position, because, you know, the more and more I also look at what Daniel Jones has done, does that convince Pat Shermer that he's confident in maybe going without a veteran backup or an experienced backup? Because I am coming around to the idea that maybe they only keep two guys. I agree, Lance. I don't I think, think three two... is a lock even. I think two is a very real possibility, and then if you're going to keep a practice squad guy, well, it's going to have to be Loletta. I don't yeah, think Tanny's eligible. Ineligible at this point. So yeah. you know, yeah. so the question really isn't about do you keep Tanny or Loletta. The question is if you're going to go two plus one, it's got to be Tanny. If you're just going to keep three on the fifty-three, well, now you can ask if you would prefer Tanny or Loletta. But you have to answer the first question before you answer the second one. Right. My other one was the tight end. Um, I think Dickerson, there should be a spot for him on the team, uh, even over Simonson. I know the coaching staff loves Simonson, but I'm not that big on him. Uh, I know he's a good blocker, but he always seems to drop a pass, get deflected off his hand for an interception. And also Conrad, why are they hiding him? He hasn't played that much. I'm a Conrad guy, and I would put him on my 53. Simonson had a very costly drop with a couple of minutes to go in Cincinnati last week where he could have iced the game with a first down. And David Deal and I talked about it in the radio booth. That is not something that Coach Shermer wants to see, and that would be a demerit right now on, on his ledger. Uh, I, I would keep Conrad as, as the number three, and if I were to keep four, I probably would go with Dickerson as number four. But I'm not probably going to keep four on my 53. I think I'm going to keep three. Well, Simonson also had the costly drop against the Jets, too. In he the did. first preseason game. I got to so. run and take the MSG you take show. take care of Folks, what you got to do. good to see you. Absolutely. I'll finish out the show, Paul. Always a pleasure, as usual. Uh, to answer your question, Louie, with respect to the tight end situation, uh, I'm with Paul. I, I think that there is room for four on this roster. I do think Elijah Penny and what they think of him may factor into that decision because Penny can be a tight end fullback slash running back, a jack-of-all-trades. So maybe they keep three true tight ends and then Penny becomes the fourth guy and he's still on the roster. He's just labeled under a different umbrella. I, I could see that happening. I, I think it depends on what the Giants want out of their depth chart. Do they want blocking do they want receiving? That, to me, is what's going to determine who makes this roster. Because, as you mentioned, Simonson is still a solid blocker. Okay, he may have had you know some issues with the dropsies during the course of the preseason, but that doesn't necessarily take away what he brings to the table as a blocker. We know what Red Ellison could do. Red Ellison is a very good blocker and has shown the capability to run routes and be a receiver. Evan Engram is not even a question. We don't need to factor him in. So... Can Garrett Dickerson prove enough in the blocking department to make them feel comfortable if they sub Dickerson with Simonson? Are they getting the same type of productivity? That's what I think they need to ask themselves. Dickerson's also eligible to go on the practice squad still. So do they also ask themselves, if we put Dickerson through waivers, is there a good chance we're going to get him back on the practice squad? I think how they answer those questions is going to ultimately determine who gets that third or slash fourth spot at tight end. Right. 
And lastly, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but you good. They have to cut Nate Stupar. <laughs> I can't watch him play defense anymore, and I don't think he's that great a special team player to be kept around. I'd rather see the kid uh, from UTEP that, that they spent a lot of money on as a free agent make the team or Texas, San Antonio, whatever school he is, uh, than somebody like Stupar. I've had enough of watching that guy. Well, I would argue Stupar's been very active during the preseason, Louis. So, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what you're down on him for. Uh, I think that he's a veteran who does bring some versatility to the table for what he showcased, at least in the preseason thus far. And, I mean, I I think if they're going to go in the direction of getting rid of Stupar, then to me it would be more of a reason of their content with Orion Connolly, Tay Davis, and B.J. Goodson bring to the table, more so than maybe, you know, one of the unknown commodities that you're talking about. Did you see how many tackles he missed in the in the Bengals game? And last year when they put him in, I, I don't know if I think it was maybe against Chicago, he just can't make any tackles. He's, he's like too slow in space. Well, listen, I've seen Ryan Connolly miss a guy in the backfield, too, in the preseason. So I, I would say there's a number of linebackers who have missed opportunities across the board during the preseason. I wouldn't necessarily put Nate Stupar on an island all by himself. Because if you really ask me, I'd go through all the guys and I could say there was at least one moment or two in every preseason game where somebody wasn't in the right position or somebody didn't necessarily wrap a guy and bring him down. And appreciate the phone call, Louie. Thanks so much for uh, weighing in here on the program. Uh, The linebacker position, it's going to be interesting with respect to the numbers game on the edge rushers versus the interior guys. Because, you know, when you look at some of the guys on the edge, you know, do they want to keep a fifth or a sixth guy? with respect to the edge because of maybe some of the unproven commodities at linebacker, you know, that to me is also a part of what I'm sure they're going to be discussing. And then maybe they limit how many interior guys they keep anyway because maybe they put the third safety on the field, like Michael Thomas, a little bit more often. And maybe they put an extra defensive lineman on the field and they don't feel as if they're going to utilize three linebackers more often than not. Don't overlook that. That to me is a big part of the dialogue when you're evaluating the linebacker position. Let's head back to the line. Scott is in New Mexico. Scott, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you have for us? Hi, Ryan. How are you doing today? You're right, Scott. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm going to have to politely disagree with you and with a number of the calls in regards to the defense defining the Giants season. I think the opposite is going to be true. I think the offense is going to define the, the Giants season. I have a couple of reasons why. If you go back to last year and you look at, for example, Kansas City, even though they had 52 sacks, I believe, uh, they were the 31st worst defense in the league. So their offense really carried them. Same thing could be true with New England because New England didn't have a great pass rush. I think they only had 30 sacks, but they had a phenomenal uh, back yeah, they had you know, a great second and yeah. uh, defensive backfield, and that sort of got them to the Super Bowl and actually won the Super Bowl. So I think if you look at the Giants, the Giants have the trans- uh, they have the quintessential player in Barkley who averaged five yards a carry. He had nine, I believe it's nine uh, plays over 40 yards, and only Chris Johnson and I think Barry Sanders had more in one season than he did. 
And I realize the defenses are going to be prepared for Mahomes and they're going to be prepared for Barkley to do it a little differently. But if you have a diverse offense, that carries you a lot further, I think, than just you know a, a good defense. I'm not negating a good defense. Obviously, you want to have that. But today, in today's NFL, it's really the offense that can dominate. So I was wondering what you thought of that, and it, do you think I'm off base by, by stating something like that? Well, you need to be able to score points in the NFL. I, I don't right. disagree with your point, but in so, fairness, in okay. fairness, Scott, if you look at the last few games of the Giants' season last year, they were scoring points, and they still weren't right. winning. For example, in Indianapolis, they scored 27 points. They didn't win that game. Against Dallas, they scored 35. And the Cowboys, by the way, had absolutely nothing to play for in that game. And they still didn't win the game. So I guess what I'm pointing at is I don't disagree with your assessment. You're right. If you have an explosive offense, you can get away and cover up deficiencies on defense, which Kansas City did, which even the Pittsburgh Steelers did, because the Steelers right. also had 52 sacks. But at the end of the day... When it comes down to late in the season and your offense may not be putting up 30 a game or the sacks may not be piling up, you have to be able to get fundamental stops on the defensive side of the ball. And if you don't do that, you're going to put yourself in a very precarious situation. Offense can get you to the playoffs, but defense wins your championships. There you go. Yes. I just avoided the cliche in terms of my answer. Did you have everything you got, Paul? You sure you don't want to stop by a few more times? Uh, go ahead, Scott. I'm listening. Yeah. Uh, so um, I just wanted to get a comment, and I appreciate uh, the uh, retort, but uh, I wanted to get a comment of what you thought about the situation, uh, not related to the Giants, but with the retirement uh, of Andrew Luck. A lot of players always are, are going for the big monies all the time, and I've, there's been a lot of obvious uh, negativity with that. But it, but is he sort of the an example of why you go for the big money because your career is so short? And obviously, he's walking away, I think, from $58 million, even though he's going to get a signing bonus of some sort. So he's not going to be suffering. But is this the is this a great example to show why players do what they do? And I'll take your answers off the air. All right, Scott. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks. Well, I think that's part of the rationale why certain players hold out because it's non-guaranteed contracts in the NFL, specifically running backs in particular. They know their shelf life is rather small compared to other players, so they want to be able to cash in early in their careers when they're in their prime. I think that's at least maybe when the running back is coming from. But Andrew Luck's situation is unique because quarterbacks get paid regardless. I mean, look at the amount of money that quarterbacks get compared to the rest of the salary cap and also how contracts continue to go up because the salary cap goes up. So this, to me is not necessarily a statement for why other players hold out and why they go for as much guaranteed money as possible early in their careers because they know they're not making as much as quarterbacks do to begin with. I, I think if there's any commentary on what happened with respect to Andrew Luck, it's the fact that you had a unique scenario where a guy just piled up injuries and mentally and physically he was getting worn down and he decided that there's more to life than football and I think that's the important lesson to be learned from Andrew Luck's retirement and maybe it gives the fans an inkling that when we look at these athletes and we put them under the microscope and we examine them from every angle and we examine what they do in press conferences they're human beings at the end of the day and they 
sometimes can't act like Superman and Batman and overcome sometimes the basic injuries because of what it's done to their personal lives or what it's done to their mental lives. So I, I think that, to me, is the biggest takeaway from what happened with Andrew Luck. I don't think it necessarily says anything commentary-wise on you're going to see players now be more aggressive in trying to get their money. They've always been aggressive because they understand they're not guaranteed contracts. But quarterbacks in particular always eat up most of the cap space. And, and Andrew Luck, I don't think, was a financial situation. This was just more of he understands there's more to life beyond football. He has pursuits that he wants to go after, and he's content with that. And more power to him. It's a personal choice, and who is anybody else to tell him what he should do with the rest of his life? 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Charlie in Portland, Maine likes to tell other people what to do with their lives, so I know what went in one ear goes out the other with respect to what I just said. What's happening, Charlie? Hey, Lance. Is mano a mano, or is Paul back? <laughs> no, Paul is gone, so I'm more than oh, yeah. content with handling myself in this conversation. Yes. Hey, I, I, I look, Shermer loves quarterbacks. He's not going to keep two. He's going to keep three. In fact, he said he'd keep four if he could. He did. He and, said that on multiple and, occasions. But that's also sometimes wishful thinking that he prefaced his comments with. He yeah, said I he's know, a quarterback guy and he likes quarterbacks. That doesn't mean that realistically his wish is going to come true. Yeah, but the thing is, is Lazetta, Lazetta would not be. He would somebody would take him. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be able to get back on the practice squad. I don't think you know that for a fact. I think it's possible. Well, I know the Patriots really liked him uh, when they when we drafted him. Okay, but that, does that mean that does that mean that just because players were like coming out of the draft that? They are all of a sudden overwhelmingly like still after a year in the NFL. Plus, you also need to take into consideration who's on those current rosters for those teams that you're claiming really liked him. I think there's a lot of unknown to just assume that if the Giants put a guy through waivers, he's automatically not coming back to the practice squad. Well, I, I'm just saying I don't think he would. I think he'd be taken, and I don't think Sherman's going to just have two quarterbacks. He'll 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 have. It's just going to be whether he wants. I don't think he wants Tanny because. Look, after all this stuff that, you know, Mr. Hall of Famer in preseason, Daniel Jones, after all this hoopla about this guy, if he isn't the, if he isn't the backup quarterback, why do you, then why do you need Tanny for? You don't need him because he'd be the third string. So you, you take the younger guy, and, and, and he's had a good preseason, Lendetta has. So there's no way Tanny's going to be on the team. And the other thing I just wanted to say is, like, we've got to find some wide receivers who don't drop the ball. And I don't care if they're veterans. I don't care if it's Fowler or Lattimore. If these guys can't hold on to the ball, then they should be cut. Because we don't need another year where Eli Manning's wide receivers lead the league and drop passes. That is not going to be helpful. Now that we finally have an offensive line that is decent and could be good, we don't need wide receivers and tight ends dropping the ball. So they better hold on to guys, even if they're rookies, who can actually hold on to the ball, who, who is consistently doing that. And that's what I'm looking for. I know when the cuts come, I'm going to be really disappointed because I, you know, I know they're going to cut some guys that they should hold on to, and uh, we'll just see what happens. Well, but like who in particular, though? Who in particular are you so concerned about at the wide receiver position? Uh, oh, Lattimore's been dropping passes. Fowler's been dropping passes. Uh, Simonson's been dropping passes as a tight end. We can't hold on to okay, these Okay, but in and fairness, Evan Engram had his case of the dropsies too, and w were you then claiming for them to cut him immediately right on the spot? 
I mean, in fairness, guys drop passes. That doesn't mean that that's indicative of what's going to happen every single game or every single rep or what's going on in practice, too, by the way. Yeah, well, they have been dropping passes in practice, and they have been dropping them in the preseason games. I mean, Sherman's talked about it. We've been dropping too many passes. So what I'm trying to say is maybe you can, you know, one guy maybe you can hang on to who's been dropping some passes but you think is more consistent than that. But you can't hold on to two or three guys who have been dropping passes and letting younger guys like White, you know, like Slayton, like – uh, Wesley. Well, Slayton's a draft it pick. It's unlikely they're going to part Golden. ways with Slayton. Well, I'm just saying we got to have wide receivers who can hold well, on. Of course, to the ball but but Charlie, who in the their ball. right mind has a team and says I want wide receivers that drop the football? <laughs> you know, the way the way you're talking <laughs> well, is as if the coaching staff is looking at the roster saying, yeah, let's keep everybody that's dropped the pass and let's hope that that continues <laughs> during the season. Who in their right mind thinks like that? I, I just well, some of the things Sherman you say, I'm like trying to wrap my head around this. He, how does Shermer think like that? How does Shermer think that he wants to prioritize guys on the roster that drop passes? You tell me when he has said that. He has he has said that he is looking at his veterans, the guys who have been on the team before, okay. like Lattimore and Fowler. But if those guys continue to drop passes, which they have been, I would not keep them on the team. I would take the younger guys, like uh, you know, Lanzo Russell. He's been catching everything that's been thrown to him. I don't know if he's even dropped a pass. You know, maybe in practice. I don't know. I haven't seen all the practices. But there's a guy that can hold on to the ball. T.J. Jones. I mean, he. Well, but he, all those guys are in the mix. I would argue for a roster spot right now. I don't think any of those two names you listed are completely out of the equation. They're still very much alive for a 53-man yeah, roster they, spot. Yeah, and they should be. But I'm saying I. I think he's gonna. He wants to keep the guys that were here last year in his system, like Lattimore. Well, because and experience, Fowler. because Charlie, experience matters. You're only looking at a wide receiver from one facet. In fairness, comfort yeah, and familiarity with the system. He's dropping the ball. What good is it? Yeah, but you're judging. Right? What you're doing is let, let's face it. You saw the last preseason game, and you're right. Lattimore had two drops on that first drive. One of which was a potential touchdown. But that doesn't mean that Latimer has been dropping those passes and those throws that have come his way all throughout camp, though. So you've got to be careful where you watch one series and you say get rid of a guy simply because you're annoyed that he didn't catch a football pass. They're not judging a player based on one drive, though. See, that that's where well, I think yeah, you're missing. I know. That, that, I, that's I what I'm saying. I agree with that. But, but what I'm saying is I, I don't care if he catches them all in practice. He needs to catch them in the games. So that's what's the most important thing is catching them in the game, not in practice. Of course. There's no doubt about that. And they're going to take that into consideration and appreciate the phone call, Charlie. But I'm okay. telling you that they're not dismissing the resume with respect to Fowler and Latimer and what they gave the team last year and the fact that they're also familiar with the system as opposed to just saying, well, this guy had one rough series or one rough drive in a preseason game and now we have to get rid of him. And remember, Giants fans should know this more so than any other fan base. Do you remember Victor Cruz? Do you remember the struggles he had in his first NFL regular season game against the Redskins and how he was dropping passes and people were calling for getting rid of him and for them to part ways? And then what became of Victor Cruz? So that's the prime example of why I'm saying you, you don't judge. Any coach will tell you. You don't overreact or underreact to anything in the National Football League. You got to be even keel. And you put it on the resume and you say, okay, this is another component of what happened 
does this bring the player down in grade-wise? Does it bring it up? But you don't necessarily say, that's it, I've seen enough, let's get rid of him. No coach is going to do that. And that's why, because then you're going to get rid of a guy who may have had a rough day, a rough practice, a rough game, and then he can prove to you he can bounce back. So that's how they're going to view it right now. But I do think that there are still a few jobs up for grabs, specifically on the back end of the wide receiver depth chart. And that makes this game on Thursday against the Patriots extremely meaningful. All right, that is going to wrap things up for us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Certainly appreciate everybody for tuning in. It is all presented by Coors Light. We'll be back up and running again at 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. The Giants are going to have their last practice before they then travel to New England on Wednesday and then get set for their final preseason game. So we'll continue to make the most of our time here with the latest news and notes around the team, as well as some of the developments shaping up the 53-man roster. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and always stay locked to Giants.com. Have a good one.